New on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, hear surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are twenty dollars, just a dollar sixty-seven a month. Visit curiositystream.com. I grew up in an eight-bedroom farmhouse with my father until I grew up and moved out. We always had extra rooms not being used, and because of the age of the house plus all this extra space, there was always a sort of eeriness, like someone looming in the shadows. If I had to get a drink in the middle of the night, I looked at the ground the whole time because I was scared of what may be looking back at me from the dark corners, rooms, and hallways. Even the windows and mirrors were avoided because I wasn't sure what I'd see looking back at me. When I was around 12 years old, I questioned why the room that used to be my nursery was locked from the outside. I didn't think it was weird before then. My dad needed a room for storage, and I figured he just wanted to keep me out. I brought it up to him one day, asking what's so important in there that he needs to keep me out even though I'm not a child anymore. It was a typical 12-year-old mentality I had. Turns out, I was not entirely correct about the lock. My dad, with a very serious demeanor, sat me down and answered my inquiry. When I was a baby, around one to two years old, I slept in this nursery room on the second floor next to my dad's room. This room was painted by my sister, especially for me with Winnie the Pooh characters and fluffy clouds, the type of thing I think back on and appreciate. The effort and creativity was so admirable. I had a photo of me smiling at Pooh Bear on the wall while we were setting it up, but I'm not the most tech savvy to figure out how to link this photo. But anyway, I was in this nursery in my crib again right next to my dad's room, the perfect age to be on my own. Every night though, my dad was woken up by me sort of scream crying. He had raised four children before me, so he was not making first-time parent mistakes that would otherwise be in question. He thought it was probably the switch to being in my room rather than being in his room that caused my nightly discomfort. He considered bringing my crib back into his room, but of course the nursery was all ready to go. I had just graduated. For a while, when I cried in terror, he would come in and check on me, only to find that nothing was wrong in the sense of present stressors like temperature, diaper change, hunger, or thirst. He would stay with me until I would fall back asleep or keep the lights on to make me feel safer, and then return to his room to get some actual rest. One night, after finally having enough of my distress, he decided to camp out on the floor of my nursery to see if he could figure out what was the matter, but mostly to try and sleep through the night. This is the last time anyone slept in there. I was able to doze off now that I wasn't alone. He, on the other hand, was tossing and turning on the hardwood floor, not comfortable enough to sleep. As he lay there on the floor, mulling over the situation, boom, boom, boom. He was jolted to his feet by a few massive blows to the floorboards beneath him centered directly on his back, as if someone on the first floor had a battering ram aimed at the ceiling. His first instinct was to rush downstairs and check for intruders. He's a man of logic, brave and ready to defend his family. However, when he got down there, the lights were off, there was no one downstairs, front door locked, windows locked, 
No sign of forced entry. No one else lived there with us. Our closest neighbor was down the road a quarter mile, and why would they break in just to bang on the ceiling, let alone have it mapped out where my dad would be sleeping in my nursery and the force of the blows? This wasn't normal. After this event, my dad brought my crib back into his bedroom, and I was able to sleep without screaming or crying beyond needing a diaper change or something normal. He brought the Bible into the nursery for extra measure and casted out any evil that may have invited itself in there. He locked up that nursery and only used it for storage after that, and only went in during the daytime. To this day, that old lock is still on the door, as if a lock will keep spirits locked in. And short of pretending that experience never happened, he couldn't rationalize it enough to do anything else. We think the entity was evil and malicious, and when my dad tried protecting me, this only made it more angry. As I grew up in that house, I had a hard time sleeping in any room on my own. Many nights I ended up rushing to the couch in the living room, turning the TV on and watching Disney till I fell asleep. But even then, I was not fully comfortable. There always felt like there were eyes on me. There were many more unexplained events from that farmhouse, but this was the more direct encounter with evil that my dad has ever had. My son noticed it first. The light is on, he said, pointing to the basement door. I walked over, and sure enough, the basement light was on. Golden light spilled through the crack under the door. Daddy must have left it on, I said. At least he remembered to lock the door. That was the most important thing. The chain was drawn over it, making sure Owen couldn't get in and fall down the stairs. I'll go turn it off, I said, stepping towards the door. The light turned off. I stopped in my tracks, my brain not fully processing the implication. Then it burst into my head and I froze, every hair standing on end. Someone turned off the light. Someone's down there. John, is that you? I called. Silence. John? I shouted. Footsteps thumped the stairs overhead. John appeared, poking his head over the banister, looking down on us. What do you need? I, I think... I, I think someone's in the basement, I whispered. What? Why? As if to answer his question, the light turned on. Someone's turning the light on and off. He joined me in the front of the door. We both watched the light, and after about 30 seconds it turned off. Then, just a few seconds later, it turned back on. Probably just a faulty connection. He walked towards the door, confidently, and reached for the chain. John, no! What? You really think someone's down there? He laughed. We live in one of the safest towns in the country, Kate. Not like we're going to have some burglar sitting down there messing with our lights at 6pm. Anything can happen, anywhere, I muttered. Okay, but the lock's still engaged. How would they even get down there? Through one of the windows? Would have to be a pretty small burglar then, like kid-sized. Clink. He slid the chain away and opened the door. Wish me luck. As soon as he stepped in, the light turned off. Unperturbed, John reached into his pocket and pulled out his phone. With a few taps, the flashlight came on. White light filled the stairwell, then descended as John walked down the stairs. I listened to his footsteps fade. Dada's in the basement, Owen said with a grin. 
Want to go in the basement too? No, no, I said, blocking his path, keeping my eyes on the door. Stay here. The seconds ticked by. I waited for John's voice to come up, but only silence followed. Then the lights turned on. And off. On. Off. On. Off. Flashing across the stairwell. Then finally, it turned off. John? Glancing back at Owen, I walked up to the door and peered down. Pitch darkness. Not even the light from John's flashlight. I reached out and flicked the light switch. It didn't work. John, are you okay? A pause. Then his voice, weakly calling up from some place unseen in the basement. Lock the door. John? Lock the door. Oh God. Oh God. Owen's footsteps sounded behind me. I quickly stepped out, slammed the door shut, pulled the chain across it. Then I grabbed my phone and dialed 911. But something in my heart told me I'd never see John again. When the police came, they ran down and searched the basement, but they didn't find John or anyone else. The place was empty. All they found was his phone face down on the cement. I cried all night. Days went by. Owen asked for his daddy. It was heartbreaking. But as it turns out, I was wrong about never seeing John again. A week from the incident, after Owen went to sleep, I heard a strange thump coming from the basement. I didn't dare unlock the door. Instead, I went outside into the cold night, armed with mace and a flashlight. I crouched in the wet grass next to one of the windows. Then I peered inside. A figure moved in the darkness, among the boxes and stacks of junk. I turned on the flashlight and shined it inside. The beam inside was dim, attenuated by the dust and grime stuck to the windows. But even in the shadow, I recognized the long face, the messy blonde hair. John, his eyes pure white, his hair stilted and clumsy, wounds slashing his body on a way that couldn't possibly leave him alive. I stood up shaking. As I did, the lights turned on, spilling out onto the grass. New on Curiosity Stream, grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, here's surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.